Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey, Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. I usually mention this at the end, but I'm moving it up front for this episode. This podcast is free, but it's not inexpensive to make, and I've made it week after week for more than six years. So in addition to funding from advertisers, I also receive individual support from local patrons who simply appreciate Hey Amarillo and want to make sure I can keep making it. These patrons do this through Patreon.com, a platform that allows you to give recurring financial support to creators like me. You can support Hey Amarillo at a variety of levels at Patreon.com slash Hey Amarillo. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to High Plains Food Bank, Colorful Closets, the United Way of Amarillo and Canyon, PASO, the Panhandle AIDS Support Organization, and Square Mile Community Development. These are all amazing organizations, and I hope you support them this season. Read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com. Today's guest is Stephanie Goings. There are a couple of reasons I wanted to have her on the show. First, she was recently named Amarillo's Black Woman of the Year by Hamlet Heights, a community organization that works to recognize black excellence. Second, Stephanie is the annual giving officer at Amarillo Area Foundation, which means she is deeply involved this week with the Panhandle Gives, an annual event coordinated by the foundation that helps raise and amplify funds for local nonprofits. I know you're going to be hearing a lot about this during the week. Release day for this episode is November 20th, and that just happens to be the start of the Panhandle Gives campaign, which lasts through November 28th. And so we talk about all those things in this conversation as well. So here's Stephanie Goings. Stephanie Goings. Goings. Is that right? <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie Goings. Welcome to the Hamerilla hey Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to talk to you. And I want to start with you the same way I start with all my guests. And that's just to ask you why you're here. So what brought you to the Amarillo area in the first place? Wow. So um, I was um, brought here, to, I guess, to the Amarillo area by, um, well, I don't know if I should say this, but my ex-husband. Okay. So I uh, moved here um, with him and found a wonderful job working at the um, probation office Okay. and decided to stay here even after the divorce. Where did you come from? Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Midland, Texas, and uh, graduated from Robert E. Lee High School. Okay. Loved Midland. It's a nice little small town, but... I uh, really enjoyed growing up there. The name of that high school has been changed since you've been there. It has. Yes, it has. And I'm not sure the name of it, but yes. I think I it's Midland Legacy now. Oh, that's good. Okay. Which, that's a good. It is. You grew up in the Midland area. You moved to Amarillo. Both of our communities kind of consider ourselves West Texas. Mm -hmm. Is Are there similarities or is it different? Well, I can say the similarities are the people people are, are giving uh, philanthropic in both mm -hmm. Midland and um, Amarillo. I can say Amarillo um, more so than really? Midland. Yes. Uh -huh, but um, There's I can a lot of oil money and stuff in Midland. Though, I, I know. I know. But here is just, it's a different feel, a different mm. vibe. That's mm -hmm. good to know. Yeah. Did you know, as, as you were getting close to high school graduation, did you have a plan? Did you know what you wanted to do or where you wanted to go? You know, I did. Um, I wanted to become a lawyer. Okay. I'm far from that right now. <laughs> 
but um, life stepped in, mm-hmm. and so that didn't happen. I moved away from Amarillo and moved to uh, Dallas, Texas, and that's where I had my three girls. Okay. Um, and then moved here to Amarillo. Were you able to work like while you were having children? I mean, did you did you have sort of a career path that developed? Yes, um, actually, it was more of ad- admin work okay. is what I did, and so I worked for uh, several companies there in Dallas, Texas. And then, um, of course, when I moved here to Amarillo, that's when I started up at the um, uh, adult probation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a desire to say, okay, I, I used to want to be a lawyer until life happened? I mean, did you ever think, I'm going to go back to school and try to get this degree? <laughs> no, I never did. <laughs> you think, just left that one aside. <laughs> I did. I did. Mainly because it was kind of far away from my my sight at that time okay. after having my three daughters. And then, of course, I was raising them by myself for a while. Um, just wanted to make sure that they had a proper education. And so I pretty much worked okay. just to make sure that they were taken care of. And then after I left uh, the probation office is when I found my niche, which was raising money, fundraising. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tell me why that fits so well, I guess, with your personality. A lot of people think, oh, that sounds like a really nice job. But like, Mm -hmm. it's a hard job. You're asking people for money. Yes. Um, So tell me, like, tell me why that's your niche. Well, I think because I am a, um, a nice person. You okay. Know? And uh, surely I, it takes more than that, though. Right? It, it does. It does. <laughs> I'm a giving person. Um, I love serving people, and I feel like that that's my purpose mm-hmm. is just to to serve those. Asking for money for someone other than myself is a lot easier. Okay. And um, I, when I was little, I do remember always wanting to help those and help those in need. And I used to ask the Lord to to just give me lots of money so that I could help those in need. And uh, I don't have it personally. Yeah. But I've been able to raise. Quite a bit of money to help a lot of people. Tell me what your career has looked like since the probation office. So I went to United Way okay. of Emerald and Canyon and uh, was there for several years and then switched over to Downtown Women's Center. Okay. And uh, that was my heart for seven years. Um, I love Downtown Women's Center. I've seen a lot of, um, I guess, progress or like the women who succeed mm-hmm. in that program. And um, and so now I'm at the Emerald Area Foundation, which is kind of a loop around because now the job I have now, I'm able to help more nonprofits uh, in the Texas Panhandle. How long have you been at the foundation? Almost two years. Two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's interesting that you've worked in in those three different arenas. United Way is a very broad organization. It gives mm-hmm. in a lot of different directions. The Downtown Women's Center is very focused. And then you're back to a broad uh, sort of focus now. Is is there, I don't know, like, like tell me about the difference between your work now and what you were doing with the Downtown Women's Center, where you're raising money for a specific organization, a specific purpose. Okay. Well, with Downtown Women's Center, like you said, it was a specific organization uh, for programs there at Downtown Women's Center. And it was like, you raise the money or the doors can close. Okay. And so that was a little tough. There's not a safety net there, right? None, none whatsoever. And But we, uh, again, this is a Texas panhandle, and we have so many philanthropic people here who love to to give, and they support those types of programs. Um, now being at the Amarillo Area Foundation, it's a lot different. Mm-hmm. I, um, I do still raise money, and I have goals that I need to make, but now it's on a broader scale to where I can... Um, again, help more nonprofits. So the money that I raise um, at the Amarillo Area Foundation, it actually goes for the like the amplification dollars or into a, um, a fund for granting for those nonprofits. So uh, again, we're just able to help more. 
I'm trying to think of the the difference psychologically between being in a job where if you fail at your job, the doors close, <laughs> yes. toward having I, I think the freedom and the weight of the Emerald Area Foundation behind you. Like, is one easier than another? Is it just different degrees of of pressure or goal setting, all that kind of thing? I would say yes. It's different degrees of pressure. Well. Let me think about that because <laughs> That's a hard question. it is kind of hard, but, but I know like at downtown women's center, again, you, uh, raise the money and, and if you don't, the doors will close or if the stores don't work out, you know, right, raise yeah. money, then the doors can close. Um, at the area foundation, um, we're able to bring in more avenues of, of funding. And so we just have more funds to be able to, to help those nonprofits. Do you remember arriving in Amarillo as an adult? Um, like, was it your first time to come here? Did you have any familiarity with the area before that? No, I didn't know anything about Amarillo. <laughs> what were your impressions when you showed up here? Well, I thought of it more of a, like Midland. Okay. I did because it was a small town. So it's like a small town, big city feel. And, um, and Midland's pretty much the same way. I did have a couple of friends that lived here, okay. so that made it a little easier. But other than my friends, I didn't have any family here. So this is where I just decided to make my And you were a mom, like you arrived with... Kids, yes, I arrived right? with my with my three daughters. Yes. Okay, how how old were they at the time? Uh, at the time, they were two, four, and six. Oh wow! So yes. that's that's pretty young. <laughs> yes, very young. <laughs> what did you find? I mean, a lot of people talk about Amarillo as being a great place to raise a family. Like, mm-hmm. did you find that to be true compared to maybe where you came from in the Metroplex area? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I and I even tell some of my friends now, Amarillo is a place where you want to bring your family. If you have a family mm-hmm. and uh, children, this is a place where you want to be to raise your children and and they get a great opportunity here in Amarillo. Why is that? I mean, because there's a lot of stuff to do in Dallas if you're a mom, if you need to entertain your kids, I guess. But what what makes it different here? Well, uh, again, it's a small town, big city feel okay. to where um, you have recreation for your children, but you're not afraid that something horrific is going to happen. Okay. Uh, living in Dallas, you just never know what was going to happen or who was lurking around and, you know, and I'm sure that they have that here as well. But I just feel like Amarillo is more of a family. It's like we really watch out for each other. Okay. And I I love that. You know, if uh, one of your friends sees your kids getting into something they shouldn't, they're going to let you know, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) My girls went to uh, Paladero High School and we had several friends who were teachers there. So that was one reason why they did so that they could keep an eye on them. Tell me about, um, just because I... I've talked to several guests who went to Paladuro, and they've all talked about how it's it's really unique among Amarillo High Schools in that there's so many cultures there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different languages. There are kids who come from refugee families. There are kids who've lived in the neighborhood for, for years. I mean, what were your daughter's experience at Paladuro? It was a great experience. I know that um, my youngest, when she was in high school there, she had friends of uh, different nationalities, mm-hmm. um, very diverse. And uh, there were several friends who um, they didn't have much. Yeah. And so she was. She always wanted to bring someone home to, to help out. And so my husband and I, we got involved with the school. So we were able to um, mentor some of, the, some of the children there. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's cool to hear. I, I always appreciate parents who get involved with 
their kids and their kids' friends, you yes. know, because <laughs> that's, that's, the kids aren't going to tell you things, but you can listen to them talk in the back of your car when you're driving them around, I guess. That is true. That's true. Or at the dinner table. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> okay. So I, I want to talk about um, the Emerald Area Foundation because this time of year, in fact, starting um, this week is the Panhandle Gives, and it's become such a big part of... I guess the local fabric of generosity, which is something that's um, that you're really tapped into. Tell me the role that the Panhandle Gives plays. I know that it started before you were there, but you've mm-hmm. kind of taken over a lot of the uh, the management of it, promotion of it, and all that kind of stuff. So yes, yes, I actually um, like co assist okay. <laughs> uh, with Brock Carter, director over the Panhandle Gifts. And Brock was part of like the, the starting of it several yes, years ago. Like yes. He was involved at the very beginning. Yes, he was. He was. And um, and so it's it's just hosted by the Amarillo Area Foundation and it's coordinated by the Amarillo Area Foundation, uh, but it's for the 26 counties. So all participating nonprofits that are participating in the campaign, they are able to uh, have their dollars amplified when they raise money. And so it it provides a, a nice window, I guess, to maybe enlarge the giving. You know, these, these are organizations that are asking for money all throughout the year. Right. Um, they have probably donors who give to them all throughout the year. But like when it happens within this window of the Panhandle Gives, it goes a little bit further. Is that is that a good way to talk about it? Yes, that is. That's exactly right. Um, so donors who give to those nonprofits, they have to be participating nonprofits okay. um, in order to, for their dollars to be amplified. But um, each nonprofit will get uh, their dollars amplified. So they'll raise money and they get 100% of the dollars that they raise. But then the dollars, again, are amplified through the um, Emerald Area Foundation and and so they're, they're able to have more money for their programs. Where does that amplification money come from? I know you talked about how, you know, you're, you're fundraising for that, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the year. Is that all coming from local businesses that give to that? Is it coming from any outside sources? Yes, it comes from foundations, corporations, and individuals as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. From your position inside the foundation, I'm looking at it from the outside, and I see just it, it covers our social media, you know, during those... 10 days in November. Uh, so it seems really successful to me. And I see the nonprofits talking about how, how great it was for them. Yeah. How do you guys talk about it at work, you know, as, <laughs> as the larger organization that makes it happen? Well, we discuss it, it, it. We really start discussing it a lot in November. Okay. Um, I mean, it's discussed throughout the year, but of course, November 1st is when we, uh, take off running. And so um, all staff that is at the Amarillo Area Foundation, they all participate. And the reason, the way that they participate is not just raising funds, but they help with when we have all checks that come in through our participating banks, they mm-hmm. help to enter all of that information, phone calls, um, our accounting department is involved. So it, it takes a, a, an effort from everyone there at the foundation. So it's it's not something that you're necessarily starting to work on as soon as it's over and goes throughout the year, but it does kind of ramp up as you get into the fall. Uh, I could say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's just say yes that it it does it, it slows down a little bit in December, mm-hmm. but then um, starting in March is when we get the nonprofits ramped up again okay. to start registering for okay. the following year. Because they have to be registered or else yes, they have they're, to they're register. not going to benefit from that. Exactly. They have to register. They have to be vetted. We have to make sure they are, they are a 501c3 okay. in order to participate. Do you have a sense how many 
nonprofits are participating this year? Yes, we have 228 okay. nonprofits. Is that and, the largest it's uh, been? This is the largest okay. that it's been. And we actually have uh, all 20, we have 25 counties this year who are participating. Um, next year, we will have all 26. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious about your perspective. One of the things I hear a lot is that Amarillo is a place with hundreds of nonprofits. Um, they're all kind of competing from the same bucket of generosity. What have you been able to, uh, I guess, identify about the generosity of this area? I know you talked about it earlier, but also about like just the number of nonprofits we have because you've been able to work with them. Um, What does that tell you about where we live? Well, we have a a need. We have a great need here in in Amarillo for for different things. I mean, because uh, with the Panhandle Gives, we help support um, like women and children, uh, education, um, and even pets. And so there's just a a huge need in um, the community. And I feel like people want to start up, you know, a nonprofit to to help with that. But um, and sometimes I think, well, it would be great if they would collaborate with other nonprofits that are already doing the same thing. But some people possibly don't see that. And that's one great thing about the Area Foundation is that we have um, a program where uh, people can come, and if they want to start a nonprofit, they can talk with one of our staff members, and they will give them some insight on whether they should or shouldn't. Okay, mm-hmm. whether the problem they're trying to solve might be better solved if they go through an existing organization mm-hmm. or start something on their or start own. Start something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it is it is really interesting to me. There's there's this pioneer mentality here that people think, well, here's a problem here. I guess I'm the one to solve it. And they, they try to solve it. And, and that, that bootstrapping effort is probably why we have so many nonprofits. Right. I you just see. don't want to see them competing against each other no, you know, and trying to solve those problems. Right, right. The last thing I wanted to ask about the Panhandle Gives is you know, to, to just look at it from, I guess, the perspective of the Amarillo Area Foundation, which is so instrumental in supporting this area, mm-hmm. um, has it has it accomplished like, you know, what Brock thought it was going to accomplish several years ago when you started? I mean, is, do, you, do you feel like it's going to grow or there are some things you haven't tried yet or it's going to reach another level or is it doing exactly what the foundation wants it to do? Well, I do feel like that it's going to grow okay. and it has grown tremendously in the last few years. Uh, and when I say grow, we've grown in um, participating nonprofits mm-hmm. and also in uh, the, the funds that have been raised for the year. So yes, I, I, I do. I feel like it's going to grow more, which is wonderful because it brings an awareness to the Texas Panhandle. And this is a time when we've had some small nonprofits who have told us they're so happy that we have this campaign because it's a way for them to um, raise money to help their programs. Um, I feel like if they didn't have those, uh, if they didn't have the Panhandle Gives, that um, they would have a hard time raising some funds. Um, the Emerald Area Foundation, we we give marketing materials to mm-hmm. them, so it kind of helps to boost uh, the campaign. So they're they're able to to raise the funds that they need for the year. Yeah, and that's that's interesting to me because I know. The Emerald Area Foundation does such a good job marketing it, but you also equip the organizations to market it. Mm-hmm. And so they're not just raising funds, which are the lifeblood of the organization, but they're also raising like awareness in a lot of senses. Right. They may have donors who had not heard of them until they start scrolling through the website. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's our hope. I mean, that's what the the Panhandle Gives campaign is all about, is uh, just uh, helping, helping the nonprofits in, in the Texas Panhandle. Okay, so... 
that is starting this week. I know it's going to be a big focus. People will see a lot of information about it. Yes. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Okay. Because I know that uh, a few weeks ago, you received a pretty nice award. <laughs> um, so you're named the, the Black Woman of the Year for this year. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. What did that mean to you to get that honor? Wow, that it was a great honor. I was a little surprised actually. And and my family says I shouldn't be because of all I've done for the community and in the community and how much I love helping people. Uh but again, it was a, a great, great surprise. Was it something you knew was coming? Or was it like literally <laughs> you saw your name and there it was. N- no, I didn't know it was coming. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> you didn't apply for it or anything? Or? No, I didn't. Um, so Keith Grace is the one who mm-hmm. who told me about it, and he has a committee that uh, put names together, and that's how they um, award okay. someone for this position, uh, for this award. And I just uh, adore it. I mean, I'm so happy to have been uh, named Black Woman of the Year in Amarillo. And I feel like that uh, I'm going to do a lot moving forward. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let just that one award stop me. I'm just going to continue doing what I do. I guess, was there an idea of why you got the award? Are they looking for people who are involved? Are they looking at people who accomplished certain things? I mean, you, do you know what the criteria was? No, I'm not sure of all of it. But You I didn't d- have to tell them, I've raised this much money and this this makes me <laughs> worthy of an award? Or <laughs> Right. No, no, I didn't have to do that. But um, they did ask for bio. Okay. And so uh, just of all the uh, awards and some of the boards that I've sat on and the dollar amount of money that I have mm-hmm. raised, um, I'm sure were some of the criteria for that. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you as you... As you go forward, I mean, I, I know you're a mom. I know you've got um, daughters who look to you. I know there are a lot of um, young black girls in the community who now know your name because of this award. Like, mm-hmm. does it carry a responsibility that maybe you didn't have at this time last year? That now, now you've got this this title. Yes, I do feel like it does carry a great responsibility, and um, and I'm ready to do whatever it is I need to do. I um, am also a mentor for a group called Gotcha Girls, okay. and it's a group that um, helps a lot of the uh, 79107 girls in that area to um, to just grow in themselves and, and learn more about themselves. Okay. Um, that's a zip so, code on the north side of town, yes. kind of in the Paladuro cluster there. Yes, yes, that's correct. And so, uh, yes, just to be able to be a light for them, and uh, and they all congratulate me when I did receive the award. So for them to see that a black woman that they know uh, can win an award like this, or and they can be the next black, you know, Amarillo Woman of the Year if they choose to. So I, I wonder, you know, thinking about your arrival here, the the work that you've done, um, does it is it a surprise to you that you're in a position now where you're helping raise millions of dollars for organizations? You're the Black Woman of the Year. Like, does does this feel like? Did you have any idea that you're going to end up in a place like this? No, I didn't. Sometimes it's hard for me to take um, credit for things, or I'm a little reserved. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a lot of ways. And so it has been difficult the last, I want to say probably the last year, uh, just to be at the job that I'm, that I'm at, uh, to be in the vicinity of, of really great people like yourself. It just means a lot to me, mm-hmm. for one. Yeah. I want to talk about that in the context of what you do as a fundraiser, because you are I imagine, and I don't know this, but you're meeting with large companies, you're meeting with prominent individuals, you're meeting with people of substantial wealth, you know, mm-hmm. do you ever feel like, oh man, who who am I to be asking 
somebody like this for to write this kind of check because I would feel <laughs> like uh, you need to find somebody else to to make this ask. Like, does does that ever feel like something that's it's hard for you or does it come natural at this point? Well, it used to be hard for me, Jason. It did. Um, but now it's not It's not as hard. Uh, the reason why it was hard before, because like you said, you know, I come from a, a, I'm a I was a single mom. And so for someone to write me a $10,000 check, that was huge. Um, and for me to see it, you know, it was yeah. huge. There's too um, many zeros on this check. Exactly, I don't know what to do with it. Exactly. But, you know, again, like I said, Amarillo is wonderful. The people here are wonderful. And um, I've never encountered anyone who either you know looked down on me or never wanted to, to talk with me when I uh, went to ask for money. Everyone has been just just wonderful. So uh, yeah, it hasn't been hard at all to be able to do that. And now I just love it. I want to close this section by talking about Amarillo um, specifically, because you're in a position where you are not only asking for money, but you are meeting with a lot of the people who who have a a really deep heritage here, you know, multi-generational families. Mm-hmm. You're working with the nonprofits that are working to make this area better. Like, what have you learned about the city itself, you know, just living here for the amount of time that you've been here? Well, again, they are caring. The The city is uh, caring and uh, they want to make things better for uh, the citizens that live here. And that's one reason why I stayed. I mean, when I moved here, what, 27 years ago, I never would have thought that I was going to stay in Amarillo. You thought you might end up someplace else, back in Midland or, uh-huh, or Dallas, you Dallas, know, yeah. somewhere. But uh, but no, everyone, I say everyone, but everyone I've been in contact with or encountered has always been uh, just caring. And uh, no one looks down on you. And I've been places where that has happened. But um, no, Amarillo is a, is a wonderful place to raise your kids, to live, to retire. This week's episode is supported by Wick Realty. I have recorded every interview over the past couple of years in my home studio. My family and I love our house, we love our neighborhood, and we're here because Wick Realty helped us sell our previous home and buy this one. Wick is invested in seeing Amarillo flourish economically and socially for all groups of people, and I just really appreciate that about them. So if you're buying or selling, if you're building, if you're looking for investment property, talk to Katie Wick or one of her outstanding agents. That's wickrealty.com. W-I-E-C-K. This episode of Hey Amarillo is also supported by Lazy Boy Home Furnishings here in Amarillo. Now, you probably know Lazy Boy as a national brand, but its Amarillo store is independently owned and operated by the Hawkins family, who are locals. Here's the thing. They offer a lot more at Lazy Boy than just recliners. Amarillo's locally owned Lazy Boy Home Furnishings has a ton of products in stock ready to take home or deliver today. And they have several great Black Friday deals happening this week. So go visit the showroom of Lazy Boy of Amarillo today at 3636 Sansi. Okay, I'm back with Stephanie Goings. This is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and it's known for its educational programs, including a science, technology, engineering, arts, and math lab. Uh, a STEAM lab where the Panhandle Plains collection comes to life for students of all ages and grades across the area. You can learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay, first question, and this is a question I ask every guest, is when you think of Amarillo 10 years from now, what do you hope for? Well, I just hope that Amarillo will continue to be a great place uh, for people to raise their children. Also, uh, that our schools will remain um, excellent and that we can uh, continue to have wonderful teachers 
to teach our children. And then also that uh, the black population will increase a little bit here so that we can have a stronger voice okay. in Amarillo. Do you think is, is that, that's a question I've thought about a lot that, you know, we're, we're in a position now where more attention is being given to the North Heights mm-hmm. um, because of the North Heights uh, Neighborhood Association. A lot of the lack of development there from a, several years ago is, is starting to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's more attention is the solution to elevating the voice. Is it, we need more people, we need a greater population of black, you know, Amarillo residents, or do they need to just have a stronger voice or more listening to those voices, I guess, from, from parts of town? Right. Well, I, I, I feel like that we need um, a bigger population so that we can have that stronger okay. voice. Um, because the voices that we have now, I mean, they are being heard, but to me, just not loud enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is a lot of that, I, there's a lot of conversations about younger generations growing up here and then leaving, you know, moving away to someplace else because they can find something that, you know, in Dallas or wherever that they couldn't get in Amarillo. Mm-hmm. Is is that a similar story with younger generations of, of black residents? Yes, there is. Uh, and my children, I have three daughters, and so two of them did leave okay. Amarillo. And then a lot of their friends that they played basketball with, I would say probably 70% of them left the Amarillo area. Okay. Are they ending up in a place with a stronger black population? Yes, okay. yes. So it's Dallas and Houston, Austin yeah. are the places. Mm-hmm. So that, in order to keep them, we really do need to grow that, I guess, numerically or percentage-wise here in Amarillo. Yes, I do agree with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? <laughs> uh, road constructions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I say road constructions and churches. Okay, churches? Like, yes, I just feel like that there are so many churches, and sometimes I just feel like they need to just come together mm-hmm. as one. But as far as the road constructions, uh, I turn the corner, and there, there's road construction everywhere. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I I always tell myself that someday we'll be grateful when we have the construction finished, um, but then I think of places like Dallas where construction is just there all day long, That's every true. year, year after year, and you're never done with it. So I don't know. I don't <laughs> know which true. city we're going to be. I know. Okay. Uh, what does this area not have enough of? Um, okay. So I feel like we don't have enough jazz clubs. I mean, I, mm-hmm. they used to have one before and I just adored it. And a lot of my friends also, we all would go to the jazz club. Um, also, I think we could use a little bit more of culturally uh, diverse plays and okay. concerts. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I have started to see a lot more diversity in the concert scene in that I'm, I'm seeing some promoters who are bringing in, you know, let's, let's say um, specific like Tejano acts or mm-hmm. um, mariachi acts and stuff like that's, that's way outside my culture. And yeah. they'll come and they'll have thousands of people go to that concert, you know, and it's somebody that I've not heard of. So I feel mm-hmm. like we're growing in that direction. Yes. I, I think that's, I mean, obviously, we can always get better. So that's a that's a great point. Yes. What's one local nonprofit you personally appreciate? I know you work with hundreds. <laughs> yes. Um, and so maybe it's hard for you to name one, but is is there one that like is is really dear to you? Yes. Um, Downtown Women's Center is. Okay. And and again, like I said, because I was there and uh, adored the the women in the program, the women and children in the program, and then I got to see their progression. So okay. um, you've seen the success stories. Oh, then. yes, yes. And there were so many success stories. I mean, it was like 87 to 89% success rate there hmm. at Downtown Women's Center. Wow, that's mm-hmm. really great. Mm-hmm. Yes. What's your favorite building in Amarillo? 
Okay, I have two. Okay. And that's only because I've been in both of them, but uh, the Santa Fe building, mm-hmm. and that's where I worked at um, when I was with Adult Probation. Okay. And I, I love the, uh, the architect and the, the the way they kept some of the old um, or history there in the yeah. in the building. And then, of course, the Emerald Area Foundation, because we're brand new. We just moved into our building a couple of months ago, and, yeah. and it's just absolutely beautiful. It's amazing. It is. It um, is. And you're still with inside of the Santa Fe building. So you've got a historic building and then this brand new construction in Amarillo to Ex- appreciate. Exactly. And in the foundation, um, the area foundation, we have a lot of history now that they've put up on the walls. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's really great. I'd love for people to come and just tour it and check it out. I'm, I'm interested. And, and maybe you can speak to this. I know that there are a lot of plans for using the new building and the space that's available now to benefit local mm-hmm. nonprofits. Do you mm-hmm. Can you talk at all about what some of those plans are as you go forward. Oh, yes. Uh, It's open to any 501c3 that's in the Texas Panhandle. And so they can use it for meetings. We have boardrooms. They could use it for conferences. If they Mm -hmm. have large conferences, we have a large space for that. Uh, and so they and they can use it for even evening events if they choose to. Okay. So I just love it because it's, it's just for, for all nonprofits that are here. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite local restaurant or food truck? Okay. My f- favorite local restaurant is uh, Flamingo's. Oh, yeah. Flamingo's. Flamingo's Latin Bar Latin and Grill. Rest- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Latin Bar and Grill. It's in... Uh- an old Taco Villa building yes, on the boulevard. That's right. That's right. They have the best food. Their burrilla tacos are mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> really great food. I, I've not had a bad meal there. And the family that owns it, I mean, they're they're right there. They're present. Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of what they've built. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a fun place to go. Yes. Okay. What's the most underrated thing about living in Amarillo? Well... Um, okay, I put down here, <laughs> uh, realizing the uh, substantial number of philanthropists in the Texas Panhandle. So the people who care about the well-being of others. And um, I have cousins that came in from California, mm-hmm. and they they were driving along the streets, and they said, there are no homeless people here. And, uh, of course, we weren't, like, all the way downtown. Right. But it's a big difference from California. From, like, Los Angeles. Parts yes, of- yes. Mm-hmm. Even though people would probably say homeless are more visible in Amarillo than they used to be. I mean, we've got a problem with panhandling now. You're starting to see um, a lot more people on foot walking around, but compared to other parts of the country, it's not as bad. It's not as bad. You're right. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's interesting to hear uh, (laughs) that outside perspective about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Okay. When was the last time you visited the Big Texan? It was actually October 24th. Oh, so it was recently? Yes, just recently. Okay. My husband's birthday was then in our anniversary. And so, of course, we went out there to get the, the free prime rib. Yeah. And it was delicious. And so, yeah, we just uh, spent some time out there. I love the Big Texas. Do you go there? Like, is that a regular birthday sort of thing for you guys? It is. It's almost a regular every quarter. Really? We, okay. we visit it often, especially when we have um, visitors from out of town. That's the first place we'd like to take them. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, so that concludes the eight straight questions. Stephanie, I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would like listeners to know about or to experience? I would like them to know about, um, okay, the Amarillo Area Foundation, we have a women's philanthropy fund. Okay. And so um, the fund is, just getting the news, the, the word out, it's kind of hard because um, it is a fund, a pool of money that is granted out to nonprofits that help women and children. Okay. And, uh, and so I would love to endorse that because, again, that's my passion and that's my heart. And I uh, would love people to just visit our website in order to um, know a little bit more about okay. the women's philanthropy. So it's, it's one of those funds that has a specific purpose. And mm-hmm. so like written into its, I don't know, establishing documents, it has to help 
Women and children. Yes, yes. It's designated okay. just for women and children. And those nonprofits have to um, write a grant. Okay. They have to write a grant for those funds. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's something that people, I guess, if they need those funds, they can write a grant for it. But mm-hmm. you could also just donate directly to it if you want to give specifically to women and children in the panhandle. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So if there's um, 10 um, nonprofits that um, help women and children, Mm -hmm. and you're just not sure who to give to individually, just give to that fund, and then we disperse that money to those nonprofits. Okay, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jason. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks again to Stephanie for the interview. You can find participating nonprofits in The Panhandle Gives and make your own contributions at thepanhandlegives.org. Thanks also to Wick Realty, Lazy Boy Home Furnishings, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for supporting this podcast. And also to Angelina Marie for editing the show. Thank you for listening. As I mentioned earlier, Hey Amarillo exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash Hey Amarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Corey Burns, Josh Wood, Wes Reeves, Cindy Graham, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 328. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.